recently and they speak funny over there. Uh, they, they do, and I would, you know, introduce myself to people. I would say, hello, my name is Esther. And they would say, what, what? what? So, oh, hello, my name is Esther. And they'd be like, Esther, Esther. And I was, ah, oh. and then they couldn't understand what I was saying. Oh, no, I was like, no, no, Esther, Esther. And they're like, Esther, Esther. So, and then, so I said, ah, oh, okay, I said, oh, oh my name is Esther. And they were like, oh, Esther. And I'm like, yes, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and they, Cause they were just looking at me so confused. And so every time I would meet people, I would be with my, you know, my normal accent. But every time I'd introduce myself, I'd have to say, oh yeah, my name is Esther. And so they'd be like, oh, hey, Esther. And I'd be like, hi, hi. And I think, I think sometimes praise can be a little bit like that. Because sometimes we can come into church like this and we can be singing the words, but we have the wrong accent. Sometimes we can sing the words, God, you are higher and you are greater and you are mighty, but actually we have the accent of anxiety. And God said, well, I don't quite get that. What did you say? Sometimes our accent is a little bit off. It's a little bit fresh. We're themed tonight, right? And I I think sometimes we get frustrated, but we've got to understand that heaven has an accent. And if we want to speak the language of heaven, it's got to be the language of praise with the accent of praise. It has to be the accent of faith that actually believes, that is convinced that no matter what I've done, God, you are good and you love me and I'm worthy of your presence and I'm worthy because you said I'm worthy and I'm worthy because you sent your son to die on the cross for me. So because of that, I am worthy in your presence so I can praise you. So I have access to blessing. So I have access to healing. Come on, church. Praise Him with faith. Praise Him with the declaration tonight. I am convinced. We are convinced, God, that you are the King of kings, that you are the Lord of lords. We lift you up, Lord. Oh, don't you love praise? I love it. Yeah, sometimes praise doesn't have a band and singers. Sometimes praise is just a whisper. Jesus, I'm here. And I turned up tonight. And it's so hard for me to lift my hands. But I do it. And I'm not going to focus on everything and everyone else. But I just need. says I'm here and I didn't come to you know wear a lay although that's awesome (laughs) and to look as amazing as Pastor Byron does tonight (laughs) please stop moving like that (laughs) 
and I, I don't know if this is your first time at church. If it is, welcome to Equippers. I don't know if you're going through a hard time, but I know that you have access today to the presence of God. You've got access to God's freedom, to His joy. You've got access to breakthrough. You've got access to healing. You've got access to provision. You have access and we can miss it. We can miss it. So if if you're here and you know, I need some of this access. I need some of this. I tell you, the key is in your mouth. It's in your mouth. It's in your confession. It's in you. That's where the key is. Come on. Oh, we praise you, Jesus. We lift you high, higher. You are higher. You are greater. You are stronger. You are faithful. Your promises are true. You are God. You're in control. And we are secure. We are secure. We can raise our hands. We can Thank you, uh, production team. 
You guys are amazing. Yeah, give them a hand. Oh, it's good, it's good to be at church, isn't it? <laughs> I really love Jesus. Uh, as I was praying into tonight, man, I am, I've, been, I've been thinking, I've been praying, I've been contemplating around this series, convinced what it is to live convinced, to be convinced. Why should I be convinced? And when I, when I discovered what the, the meaning of that word is, to live together with overwhelming victory, to overcome, to overcome decisively. That is what it is, to overcome decisively. It's not a, oh, maybe one day. It's no, 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 I'm gonna overcome decisively with victory. But there are parts, let's be honest, there are parts of our lives, I'll be honest, there are parts of my life where doubt still exists. <laughs> and, and, and tonight as I, as I was praying and, and, and contemplating about this service, I, mean, I, really, I really felt God say that what He wants to do is He wants to address some beliefs. And it's, uh, because here's the thing, um, beliefs are, are like blueprints. In fact, they are blueprints. And no matter how fancy the material you choose to build your life with, no matter how expensive the material, no matter how strong or sturdy or trendy the material you use to build your life with, if the blueprints have incorrect measurements, you'll never build correctly. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter how great the materials you choose to live with look like. But if the blueprints, your beliefs aren't correct, every time you go to use your awesome material, you're still putting it on a foundation that will build unsteady and unsafe and unbalanced. So beliefs are like these blueprints. If you take relationship, connection, which is, by the way, what we've all been created for, which is a fantastic material to build with, relationships, relationship. But if your blueprint has measurements of insecurity and you take an awesome material, a God-given material like relationship, and you build it on that blueprint of insecurity, you got some trouble. We all know because we're all insecure, right? And we all try to have relationships and friendships and our insecurities are all there all the time. However, if we use the blueprint that God gave us, if we build on this, then we will know that God places the lonely in families. The fatherless have fathers. We can build on that blueprint. So even if you are lonely, you don't need to build on that. You can build on a secure blueprint. But the issue is, who's got your blueprint and who's the architect?
You can take finance and you can try to build it on the blueprint of poverty. Poverty's in your mindset, poverty's in your heart. Doesn't matter how much money you throw at it. You ain't gonna build balance or correctly or even safely. But if we build according to the blueprint, Ephesians 3.20, now all glory to God who is able to do exceedingly and abundantly more than we can ask or think or imagine according to His mighty power that is at work within us, then we understand the blueprint dictates that the most important thing we do is ensure that we position ourselves where the mighty power of God is at work within us, then exceeding abundance is the result. This is the difference with our beliefs and how they are like blueprints. And it's also the reason why sometimes, or maybe a lot of the time, we might come into church like this and it might take us two and a half, three songs before. Okay, I'm gonna lift my hand. Or, we, or it takes us a while before perhaps someone like the awesome Scott who, wow, those dance moves. I don't know why you hide, man. You should do those. Lots. We wait for someone like Scott to exhort us and lead us. And then we wonder why we can't do it at home. It's because that's Scott's blueprint. <laughs> Not yours. And so today, tonight, I really, I really sense that God, <clears throat> excuse me, that God wants to address the blueprint of your living, not just the materials that we choose to build our life with, but the blueprint that we choose to build according to. Uh, if you go to your Bible, Matthew 28, and uh, verse 16 and verse 17 is the, the first scripture. It's gonna come up on the screen soon if it's not already there. But let me just give you some, some, some context at, the, <clears throat> at this part of the gospel. Uh, Jesus, the Son of God, has lived a perfect life. And um, in his living, he's, he's gone and he's, um, he's recruited 12 disciples, one of them, pretty big oopsie, Judas, Judas told on him and handed him over to, to the enemy and he was, uh, he was crucified on the cross, a perfect, 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 unblemished, the unblemished, perfect son of God died on the cross. He took the weight of our sin on his shoulders. He bore it and he died on the cross. But he said to his disciples, I'm gonna come back. You know, I'm, I'm gonna be back, I'm gonna meet you. And he even says to his disciples, I want you to go to the mountain in Galilee where we used to always go, we used to hang out, have a good time there. I want, I'm gonna meet you there. So the context of this, these verses, Jesus has died and he's been resurrected. So this is a great part of the story. This is awesome. And then here's verse 16 and 17. Then the 11 disciples left for Galilee. The 12th was Judas, not around anymore. And they were going to the mountain where Jesus told them to go. 
Check out verse 17, this crazy verse. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some of them doubted. Does that seem weird to you? Does like, they've seen Jesus die with their own eyes. He's now come back to life and he's standing in front of them and they worship him, but kind of like this. Is this for real? Don't you think that's weird? Uh, these, these 12 people who walked, 11 people who walked so close with Jesus, they went wherever Jesus went. They saw him perform miracles. They were with him. They were even involved in the miracles. The miracles were happening in their hands even. They were hanging out with Jesus 24 seven. He died, he rose again, he does the impossible and they still doubted. Sound familiar? We come to church every Sunday. We go where Jesus is. We go to the e-groups. We go to the vision, we go and we do the everything. We even see amazing miracles, but we're still not convinced. We even worship, but we're still not convinced. We even see Him with our own eyes. It is undeniable, yet we are still not convinced. So I'm asking myself the question as I'm reading this, what on earth was going on? I don't, I don't what's happening there? And see, this is, that was verse 17. Now we're gonna go to verse 18. And it says, Jesus came and told his disciples, I've been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. In the other gospels, Jesus addresses the unbelief and he says, how come you still do not believe? But they all say, he, he all leaves them with this charge. And I'm reading that, I'm reading verse 16, verse 17, and now verse 18 and 19. And to the doubt, to the areas of, the, of their lives that are unconvinced, what does Jesus do? He gives them a blueprint. He addresses the doubt, he doesn't ignore it, but he also gives them a blueprint for living. Because you are human. <laughs> because you are not perfect. Because you will make mistakes all the time. Because you are not Jesus. Because even when there is overwhelming evidence around you, sometimes the situation is so hard. Jesus, you don't understand, you left me. For three days I saw you die in front of my eyes. My hope was in you, my trust was in you and you left me. Come on, let's give them a little bit of grace. <laughs> they were human, but Jesus addresses the doubt and He says, here's the blueprint for living. 
You are going to doubt sometimes, but if you build according to this blueprint, you're going to be okay. You're going to believe. You're going to see miracles happen. You're going to save the world. You're going to change the world even. You will even do greater things than I. But this blueprint for living, now it's this blueprint that I'm interested in for the rest of my 2016 and building into my 2017 and the rest of my life. It is this blueprint because I wanna know what it is to live together with overwhelming victory. So very quickly, here we go. Jesus came and told His disciples, I've been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go. Someone say go. Someone shout go. I heard someone shout no. Okay. You're wearing lays, you're all dressed as whole. We're, we're joiners, guys. We're, join, we're joining in. Someone say go. 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 Thank you. All right. Jesus says go. You know, this word go, what it means is to pursue the journey which you have entered. It also means this, to depart from life. That's what the Greek word, and you just meant written in Greek. That's what the Greek word go actually means. Jesus is saying, go, depart from your current way of living. Leave it. Go, depart, and you need to enter this journey. But the root word of this actually means to pierce through with experience. Go where? With an experience of faith. That's what it means. To go journey with God on your every day. To wake up in the morning and say, God, what can you do through me? Instead of God, what are you gonna do for me? God, I'm gonna go. I wanna pierce through this experience of faith so I can have an inside knowledge of what it is to live according to this blueprint. Jesus said, go. These aren't the cheap seats of faith. These are in the arena. These are boxing gloves on. These are not talking about a secondhand story. This is about me knowing my faith and being pierced through with this experience. Doesn't sound very comfortable. But Jesus says, go, go, go. We need to go to access boldly, to take mastery of our declaration of faith and to enter into the presence of God. At some point, we need to stop assessing things from every angle and interviewing God at every turn. At some point, we need to just go. We gotta just go. Now, I got saved when I was 14. I'm older now. It's a long time ago. But I got saved when I was 14, then I went through high school, and then I went to university, I went to Auckland Uni, and I started a Bachelor of Science. (laughs) If anyone knows me, you know it's the wrong decision. Uh, Not because there's anything wrong with science, but because me and science don't really mix. And so I I did this degree for like two years, and then I, and I was a Christian the whole time, and I, I, you know, I I truly believe I was following God and going in my journey of faith. And then I heard God say, go to Bible college. Now, 
I had a decision to make whether I was gonna depart from my current way of living or not. And I didn't make the decision just because and just quickly I made it prayerfully and I considered it and I thought about it. And then I remember my first week at Bible college. Ah, second week. The first week is orientation and games and stuff. It's it's like a lot of fun. And I was like, man, Bible college is great. And then second week lectures began. And I was sitting in, my, in these Bible college lectures and I was sitting there and there's the shift that happens inside of me. And I realize, ah, oh, this is what it's like to live by my own faith and not someone else's. Oh my gosh, this is what it feels like to step out in faith. Oh, whoa, this feels way different. I've been talking about it for at least six years. I've been around it for a long time. I've been hearing other people and cheering other people on. Oh, this is what it feels like to be in the arena. Ah, hook in the face, financial struggle. Oh, this is what it feels like to own my conviction of faith. Oh, this is what it feels like. Even when it doesn't look like I have victory, I live together with it anyway. This is what it feels like. And I remember making a decision there in that Bible college lecture. I am never gonna live my life any other way. Man, this is awesome. I have no idea what's going on, but this is so good. This is what it's like to feel alive. Go. Go, 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 go. What are you doing for 2017? Is it Bible college? Prayerfully consider, go. Man, I truly, what are you doing for 2017? Man, go to Bible college. Like, it was a great, wow, such a great decision for me. Okay, I've got to move on. Jesus says, go. And then he says, go and make disciples of all the nations. I like this one, go and make disciples. You know, he doesn't say go and make Christians. In fact, the, the word Christians doesn't, Christian doesn't, doesn't even get written in the Bible until Acts 11. So all, all the gospels, Jesus just talks about making disciples, not Christians. It, he doesn't even say go and be disciples. He says, go and make them. It's another blueprint for living. It's kind of like Jesus talk for, oh, your life is not your own anymore. <laughs> it's, uh, it's Jesus talk for, ah, oh, you don't live for yourself anymore. Go and make disciples. In order to make a disciple, you actually first have to be one. You, you, you can't actually make a disciple without being one. So you first have to be one and then you have to make them. Which is, I, I mean, I do, I think it's really good because I've been saved a while now and I still find myself trying to find my comfortable position of faith. In fact, it was only, it was only like two weeks ago where God spoke to me from Galatians 5.13 and He said this to me, for you have been called to live in freedom, but don't use your freedom to satisfy your sinful nature. Really, Jesus? <laughs> but I'm a staff member, what sinful nature? 
Don't have a sinful nature. But use your freedom, but do not use your freedom to satisfy your sinful nature. Instead, use your freedom to serve one another in love. (laughs) Now, Jesus, I, I earned my freedom. I'll, I'll just be honest because this man, God spoke to me and he woke me up. Because I, like I said, I've been saved for a while. And I began to realize the pattern of building I began to build against. Because I began to build with some thinking like, oh, no, no, I work hard. And I do. I work hard at my job. I'm diligent with my job. I'm diligent with the tasks that's given to me. So when I have my Sabbath, God, that's my time. I earned that. So when I clock off, no, I I earned that freedom. Now, I'm not saying not to ever rest. But what I am saying is imagine if we used our freedom to serve one another in love. Imagine. Do you know not, one, not a single person in this house right now in this place would be lonely if we just served one another in love and didn't leave it up to the VIP tent to welcome all the new people? If we, if we actually, if we actually, when they said, why don't you take 30 seconds to go and say hi to someone you didn't come with? If we actually did that. If we actually went and shook hands with someone and said, oh man, hey, how's it going? Man, how's, how's your week going? How's life? Oh, a little bit hard? Oh man, look, here's my number. Man, why don't you just text me during the week? We'll catch up for coffee or something. What if we used our freedom to serve one another in love? What if we used our freedom to just Maybe turn up to church with, a, with an encouragement for someone else. What if we did that? What if we came in early to church just looking for someone to encourage? Oh man, that lay looks so good on you. Man. Oh, hey man, I was praying about, I was praying about you and you know, I really do think maybe you should consider Bible college for next year. Man, I was praying for you. And I really felt God said for me to give you 20 bucks. So go here, go and, go and buy yourself a coffee or some other drink. No other drink exists outside of coffee. What? No, I didn't say that. Okay, what? Oh. You know, um, Luke, Luke chapter five is when Jesus called Peter. And this is one of my favorite, favorite scriptures because Peter's fishing. He's been fishing all night. He doesn't catch anything. And Jesus, he's walking down the hill. He's got a whole crowd following him. And, 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 and Peter's there with his empty boat. Oh, the shame of an empty boat. Peter, you're a fisherman. One job, just go fishing, catch the fish. Oh, the shame, right? Jesus got this whole crowd. There's a whole market there. Because what do fishermen do? After they catch the fish, they go and sell their fish at the marketplace, get some money. Mom, dad, I made some money, right? But Peter rocks on up, or Simon rocks on up, and he's got... He's got nothing in his boat. Jesus comes on the scene, massive crowd of people around him because Jesus always had a crowd of people following him. And Jesus shouts out, hey, Peter, so you got an empty boat there? You can imagine Peter. Really, Jesus? In front of all of these people? You wanna just talk about my shame like that? 
But then Jesus says this, hey, Peter, do you mind if I step inside your empty boat? You mind if I preach from it too? So Jesus steps inside the failure, the shame, and from that he preaches. From that begins to transform and change other people's lives. And then after that, he says, Peter, let's go fishing, man. I, I mean, I've, all these people got blessed, but I'm gonna bless you too. Cause you let me, you let me come in. You let me, so great. So I'm gonna fill your boat, Peter. So he fills the boat with fish. What did Peter do? Well, he didn't roll around in the fish. I'm rich. <laughs> Mom and dad gotta be so proud of me. <laughs> he did not do that. What did Peter do? He fell to his knees. He fell to his knees. Oh, Jesus, I'm not even worthy to be around you. Jesus says, come. Come on, Peter. You are worthy. Come follow me. I will make you a disciple. Just imagine if we did that with people around us. Oh, what, you have shame? All good. I know Jesus. He'll come right in there. Man, he'll fill that gap. He'll heal you, he'll restore you, and then he'll use you to change the world. You don't even understand. How? Come to e-group, I'll tell you. Come on. Okay, uh, Jesus said, go. Uh, this, this is a blueprint for living. You go, and when you go, you make disciples. You go and see people who are stuck in their mess, and you say, I know Jesus, come on. I'll show you a new way of living. I'll give you a new blueprint. Go and make disciples. Oh, this is great. Musos, come on up. Baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. As I said before, the, um, the New Testament is written in Greek and that word baptizing, baptizing, baptizing. Last week we had a baptism service and it was so great. But that word baptizing in the Greek, it is the word baptizo, not to be confused with the word bapto, which is used for John the Baptist. Now you would think baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, you would think it was the word bapto in Greek that they used, but it wasn't. It, was, it is the word baptizo. Let me read you this. The clearest example of the differentiation and meaning of baptizo from bapto is a text written by a Greek physician and poet. And it was a text, it was written about 200 BC about how to make a pickle. How to pickle a vegetable. This is, it says this, and he writes this. In order to pickle a, pickle, a vegetable should be first dipped, dipped, bapto, in boiling water, and then it should be baptized in vinegar solution. The first is temporary. The second is permanent that causes a transformation that cannot be reversed. That no intellectual ascent can reverse. But it is a transformation that occurs. I can't go back. 
There is no turning back. I am physically, mentally, spiritually, emotionally so different because I've been building according to this blueprint. There is no turning back such a transformation because all who belong to Christ are a new creation. The old is gone and the new has come. There is no reversing. Once you have been given the hope of glory, you don't live hopeless anymore. But you live together with overwhelming victory. So how do we live convinced? We gotta leave. We gotta depart from some ways of living. Get out of there, man. Get out of that boat. Leave that old way of comfortable living behind. Just go. And as we go, we gotta make disciples. But remember, to make them, we gotta be them. So we gotta be transformed. We gotta be changed from the inside out. We first get baptised, dipped, and then we get transformed. This is the blueprint for living. And I love it because it includes everyone and it includes me. Jesus is saying that I can live a life that is significant and affects change in other people, but also it affects the most significant change in me. Why don't you stand to your feet? This morning we sung in our, in, our, in our service this morning a, a, a song that has gripped my tongue and has gripped my spirit and it's an old song that simply states, I have decided to follow Jesus and I choose to be baptizo, fully immersed and staying there until a permanent change occurs and there is no turning back. Now, I don't know what's going on in your life tonight, church, but I know you have access and I know what we need to do and what I want to do is I wanna give you an opportunity to surrender your blueprint to the master architect because there's so many symptoms at surface level that we, could, that we could address tonight. But if you know you've been even using the God materials of living, the God principles of living and trying to shove them on your own blueprint and it's not working, come on, would you just hand it over to Jesus and say, Jesus, I made a little bit of a mess but you are the master architect with every head bowed and eye closed. If that's you and you know, if you've been a Christian for years and you know you need to hand over the blueprint once again to the master architect, we're gonna lift up this song. And as we do, you lift your hands and you surrender.